Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Notch 20 Review. I'm the executive producer and host here at Final Show Films, John, also known as Taku. And with me today is Austin, also known as Units. Hello. And Holly, also known as Pookie. Hello. And today we're talking about Fairy Tale, or as it's known in Japan, Yosei Kitan. Uh, or fairy fantasy, a a family strategy draft game, new uh, uh, card game thing that's pretty interesting. Uh, players use card drafting and simultaneous action selection to score points while interfering with other players' ability to do so. The game consists of four rounds. In each of them, players are dealt five cards. They simultaneously select one each and pass the remainder, repeating until done. Then they start playing cards simultaneously, passing three and discarding two. Or sorry, playing three and discarding two. When the cards are revealed after each selection, card abilities turn other cards face up or face down. At the end of the four rounds, there are 12 cards in front of each player, and the players score based on the face-up cards. And that is the full extent of the game, at least as far as the basic rules are concerned, because there are advanced... Oh, I'm sorry, they're, in the game they're known as elite rules, uh, which add basically a few more mechanics. One of them, Hunt... Uh, is a mechanic in, at which when you reveal uh, cards after you've selected your card to play, Hunt destroys or makes the other player flip down um, specific types of cards. Uh, the cards are all split into four different types. There, uh, There is... Um, I'm trying to remember the, the actual name. Um, there is uh, the green cards, which are dragonkin, I believe. Um, red cards, which are fairy folk. Fairywood, dragonvale, dragon yellow or holy wood. empire, and the go. gray are shadow. That's it. They're black are shadow. Um, and so the the cards will interact with either just with themselves or with each other. Everything you need to know is really laid out on the card. They didn't really need an extra elite rule set for the game, but we'll get to that later. Um, it also adds a couple. Of, the elite rule set also adds a couple of other new mechanics. Uh, it adds cards that care about card type for their pointing for their point structure. It adds cards that care about uh, most amount of card types or most amount of cards flipped up, flipped up or down. Um, and just, and, and basically variations on that. They're not too terribly more complicated than the base effects, uh, but they're separated out in the rule book for reasons. Uh, interestingly enough, not that we played it or and we're not reviewing this particular aspect, but the game also has a app available on the iTunes app store. Uh, that is free to play for the basic rules and costs five bucks for the elite rule set, which is weird, but whatever. Um, yeah, so we'll go ahead and go around talking about our first impressions first, starting with Austin. So my very first impression was um, after opening the box and reading the rules, I'm like, this looks like drafting a drafting version of Gin Rummy. Um, and I wasn't sure how well the whole fairy tale flavor would work in. Um, after playing it once though, it's it's still kind of similar to drafting Gin Rummy, but there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it than you would guess by the rules. Right. Holly? 
Um, it's it's fun. I really like it. I don't really know gin rummy or anything like that to compare it to. But I found it um, very easy to pick up on quickly, and it's something I'd like to continue playing. Uh, for me, one of my favorite ways to play other card games, specifically like Magic the Gathering, um, is to draft. So the, the fact that it's a card drafting game piqued my interest first. Um, first time playing it, I realized, for those of you that play Magic in the audience, and I realized that, I don't know what the percentage subset that is, but it's kind of like drafting a set without having any foreknowledge of the meta that you're playing in. You have no idea what's going to what what you should take, what you shouldn't take, what strategies work until you've played it about four or five times, um, and then after that, you you sort of have a few key avenues that really only work specific ways. Um, the, the and it's it's very it's very strange. Like the closest thing I could compare it to would be drafting magic cards. Um, with the exception that nothing on the card matters after the draft. Uh, so, well, very few things. I can't say that. Very few things matter after the draft. Um, it's just very weird. It's not unpleasant, but it is strange coming from that background. Um, so let's talk about things we liked about the game. Austin. Um, there's a lot of things I liked about the game. Um, number one, Drafting, like games that are all about the draft, are not very common right now. Like a lot of games that draft are trading card games that have a gameplay and you draft as a means of the gameplay, not drafting is the gameplay. So, you know, the, the, this kind of niche market is interesting and I, I love the novelty of it. I also love it definitely plays a lot to drafting skills that you use in other trading card games. You have to understand when do I abandon an archetype? When do I, you know, take a risk going after an archetype? Uh, One of the ways that they help with that is every card lists how many copies of this card are in there. So if I'm looking at a card that gets exponentially better, the more that I draft, I can look in the corner and be like, Oh, there's seven cards in here out of the 110 and, you know, no one else has flipped any up. So that helps, as well as you draft five cards, but you only play three of them, which means that you're encouraged to sort of hate draft or take cards that will mess up somebody else and just discard them as your two um, loser cards for the round. Um, aside from that, the interactivity that you have is however much interactivity you want. You can focus entirely on building up your own board or you can focus on getting cards that will mess up other people's board, or you can focus on, on, again, hate drafting, which is taking cards that you know are combo pieces for other people's uh, things. Because you draft, because you draft, play, draft, play, draft, play, alternating, you see other people's boards and you can generally see the archetypes they're going for and draft accordingly, which again is again where the, you have to know when you need to drop what you're doing and, and go for something else because you see a better opportunity and when you need to abandon points. So it hits on all of the drafting elements that are in other games, and I think that that's really cool for a game that's just the draft. 
Yeah, there are there are other games that are just the draft. There, I I can't think of very many off the top Bodger of my head, Mania but I is know the only one that comes to mind. I know there's others, well, but Bodermania is there's the one there's another one. There's another one that comes to mind for me. We Bodermania is the only one that we that we've reviewed like that. Um, but there are others in the I can't think. Of. There's one that's specifically a takedown of the of collectible trading card games as a whole and the entirety of the the entire of the game's mechanic and I can't it's a really long silly name and I can't think of what it is right now but um they they're, they're not they're, uncommon. they're not they're, yeah they're not uncommon but there's not they're not as common as other game types having them having a having a game that specifically uses only that one mechanic uh is is interesting um right uh Holly um, uh, I also really like the drafting aspect. I, I agree with Austin. I don't feel like I get to play many games like outside of Magic that has the drafting aspect to it. And I really like that they have the cards that stack because I know for me, I just kept um, taking like the fairies or the children of the dragon cards. And those stack, so the more you have, the more points you get. Mm-hmm. And... I personally discovered in this game that I love to hate draft. <laughs> I really hadn't done it before, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I, I discovered I like to do new things in this game, and it was it was just a great game to play. Yeah, for for me, um, I like the fact that there are no that. While there are a small number of strategies that genuinely work, which one of those strategies works is going to vary each time you play the game because you have you have more cards than you draft typically, um, substantially more cards than you draft. How many cards are there in the actual entire deck, Austin? So there's 110 cards, and each player will end up drafting 20 cards. So if you play with five people, you'll draft almost every card, especially because there's a couple that let you draw extra cards. Yeah. However, if you play with like we did with three people, you draft 60 of the cards, which is slightly more than half. Yeah. Um, And so what cards you're going to see uh, that are different? each time. And so your strategies are going to change based on how many people are playing and based on what everybody has shown before. And so in some cases, hate drafting is going to be really good. In other cases, hate drafting is going to be really bad. For instance, uh, if you, if in the first hand you pull nothing but these cards that stack with themselves, like the children of the dragon, um, Hate drafting more children of the dragon isn't really going to help you because they're already, if you've got three down, the way, the way that particular card works is uh, its power or its points uh, value is equal to the number of, uh, of itself that you have in play. So if you have three of these cards, then each of them is worth three. And if you have four, each of them is worth four. If you have five, each of them is worth five. At that point, hate drafting only really slows that person down. It doesn't stop them, so it doesn't really work. Alternatively, there are other cards called story cards, uh, which require specific pieces to complete for large amounts of points. Uh, for instance, there's one uh, that's the Tale of the Fairy Queen, and it requires the Fairy Queen card. If you've got both of these cards, you get eight points from the tail, and then you get the points that the queen herself is worth. 
if you hate draft that queen because there's only one of them in the game, it's very hard for the other person who was going that angle to acquire that card. Um, but not impossible. Not not impossible, but difficult. There are other cards that can be substituted for at a penalty. Um, at the same time, it's very. Uh, there are times where you know maybe you only see one or two of the uh, pieces that you need to complete the puzzle. And let's say you've got the puzzle and the piece in one booster. You can only take one. Which one do you take? You know the other one's probably not going to come back around. Uh, so it, 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 it can be very difficult, um, because of that, but I, like I said, I do like, I do like the fact that there are many different strategies you can take in the drafting section and all of, all, just about all of them could have the potential to be valid. Not all of them are valid, but most of them have the potential to be valid. We'll talk about the ones that aren't valid in a minute as we go to things that we don't like back to Austin. All right. Um, we already mentioned that I, I wish that there was some sort of rule for remove X cards if you're drafting with only three people or something like that. Some provision that made it a little more consistent. Because, again, when you're drafting only 60 out of the 110 cards, they can put all the ratios they want to, but you have to kind of be aware the odds of me seeing certain things are much less likely. Um, Aside from that, there are... I mean, I don't know if it's a bad thing per se, but it's definitely a a high learning curve because there are cards that in there that are almost traps. A lo- there's the, the tail cards all have very specific conditions to win a lot of points, and some of the tails cards are very high amounts of work for what seems to be a minimalistic amount of reward. Um, but sometimes, and they seem to be more a, a random. Oh well, I already have some of the pieces, and this is going to reward me more than I should go this and specifically go after the pieces. Um, but again, that's more of the just knowing when you need to abandon an archetype. Um, but it definitely has a, I feel like a, a decent learning curve, and it's it's not as casual a game. I don't know. That's not the right word. You know where I'm trying to go for, John? Um. I, I don't know what what specifically you're talking about. It's it, not, the, 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 it's a, there's a high learning curve, and it, it to me it feels like a game that is very competitive. It's competitive, and it will very much yeah. it. The game is designed to trick you and trap you into things. Yeah, and it's designed yeah. to hate draft. It's not a it's not a friendly fam. It's not a friendly game in the sense that something where everybody plays together, everybody wins. It's it's a game where you're designed to be like. You yeah. have to be aware of other people. You have to be cognizant of a lot of things, and you have to sort of do mean things to people. You know, it is a hyper-competitive game. Um, yeah. It is definitely not a game that you go into casually. Yeah, and it takes a lot of thinking. There's a lot of thought with everything you do. So, yep. which I enjoy, but it 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 limits its market. 
Yeah, no, it, it definitely makes... It, it, and to, to use the Magic comparison again, in Magic Draft, there are always a couple of different lines that you can go down. There are the more easy and more obvious uh, strategies that you can use to draft with that don't require too terribly much thought. Um, and then there, there are you know formulas that people can follow to help them draft at least a moderately decent deck. And then at the same time, there are more complex, more expert level uh, draft draft techniques and strategies that you can use. And um, this game requires you to use those more complex, more expert. Yeah, you you really because the entire game is the draft. You have to be good at draft. Um. And and be good at drafts in a different way than normal. I, I'm I'm very much am in, in, when it comes to magic. I'm very much a player, not a drafter. Well, as much as I love to draft, I'm not good at draft. Um, and as is as is the case with a lot of the games we review, for some reason, I'm really bad. I I, I won no games uh, the, uh, while we played this. Um, I'm I'm way better playing games when we're not playing them for review. I it's weird, but. Uh, <laughs> Because when we uh, first open a game, you like to try all the weird stuff. Yeah, that's probably it. And sometimes games like you to do the weird stuff, and sometimes games just want you to be hyper-competitive, and this game yeah. wants you to be hyper-competitive. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a fact about this game. Uh, Holly? Yeah, um, sorry, I was thrown off. Um, what are those cards called, uh, the special ones that were added later? The expert cards? The expert the elite cards. Elite cards, I think they're called. Yeah, um, I had a problem with some of those. Like, some of them were great, but some of them, I feel like, like I'm trying to remember that, that one where you won if you had the most castles, I believe. Oh, yeah. There but most of the castle cards you have to flip over. So there are two different kinds of... There was one where you got you, you, you scored points based on the number of castles that you had. And one where you scored points if you had the most castles. And every castle requires you to flip it. Almost every... No, every castle requires that you flip something over. (coughs) Sorry. Yeah, um, I had a big problem with that. And there were some... Some of them where it's like you get this many points if you get a certain card. But it's really difficult to get that because usually people are just going to hate draft that card. So you can't get it. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't get it with, if you don't get it in the round of drafting that you draft the card it needs, <coughs> then you're pretty much not going to get it unless you open it the next time, next, uh, next round. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of those cards kind of just waste your time because you're trying to get all these points for something for like one card or a bunch of cards that are flipped over and it's hurting you trying to get like trying to fulfill that card. Yeah. It's hurting you from getting more points. Uh, Anything else? Uh, No, that's it for me. So for me, um, I, I, I played a couple of different strategies when we were playing. The first time we played, we played three games. The first game I we played, played four actually. Do we play four games? Yeah, because we played oh, the one right. without the elite rules at the very beginning. That's right, we did. Um, that was the closest I came to winning when we didn't have the elite rules. Um, and the breakdown was uh, Austin. No, no, no. We only played. We only played three games, including that one. We played four you, games. You, you, 
you won twice and Holly won once. I don't remember you winning three times. Regardless, we played a number of games. I didn't win any of them. Austin and Holly won. Um, the first time we played, I tried a... So there are there are some cards in the game that uh, care about other cards. We've already gone over this. That's specifically where their point value is concerned. For instance, there are certain cards. Uh, I'm thinking the green dragons uh, in the in Dragon Veil cards uh, that... Re- their points are based off of the number of Knights of the Round Table, which are a yellow card that you have. For each one of those cards, uh, they the dragon gets an additional three points. And so the objective there is to have a bunch of the knights and a bunch of the dragons, and the knights, in addition to being worth three points themselves, bump the dragons up point-wise, and so you can sort of combo off with the two. I ended up getting 39 points with those, and that was the most points I got the whole night. Austin got 57, I think, that first round. Yeah, I also um, flipped over your dragons a bunch. Yeah, and flipped over my dragons in such a way that I couldn't, I couldn't put, pick them back up. Because a lot of the game mechanics only hurt you. Or everybody. There's not really any way to specifically target another person. So if you get things that say, uh, for instance, what was Austin was doing is Austin didn't have any green cards. So he would take cards that say everyone flip a green card over. Uh, and so that would cause both me and Holly to flip our green cards over losing points. And if those were the only green cards that I had, then those are the only things I can flip over. Um, and it's very difficult if you don't see the correct card to f- let you flip the back over. It's very difficult to recover from that. Um, the second time I went for a more broad, just take whatever's good strategy. Uh, and I ended up with 20 something points. So when, when, when I, when I went with a more, just take the good stuff, I ended up with less. And then the third time, I think it was only three because I only, I only remember doing, trying three strategies. Um, the third time I went with a uh, attempting to m- utilize the elite mechanics. The the, no, the, the third time you tried to get all the castles because you had the castle card, the one that you got points. That's right. Those castles. That's right. There was a there were that. That's right. There were four. I just forgot that one because it didn't. Because it, you it you got like ten points there. Yeah, I got like that, ten. That was the one where I got the card where you get a bunch of points if you have the most flipped cards because you said that was a terrible card and then I yeah. crushed that's you right. with it. That's right. You did. Um, because you because you flipped only, everybody's cards. Well, no, because you only had three cards that were flipped. Uh, I had two. Um, I just didn't get any castles that game. Yeah, because I was taking them all because I wanted my flipped cards. Yeah. Uh, third time around was the is that the fourth time around was the the tails, which is what I was getting to. So the tails game, the tails cards. We've already talked about them. They require certain materials. Um, the problem is when you're only going through 60 cards in the deck, there's no guarantee that you will ever see the materials required for some of these tails cards. And so it's not even that the, that the other players have the opportunity to hate draft you. You don't, the, the, the game itself hate drafts you because it, these cards require specific materials to be good. And if one of those materials never comes around, which happened with all of the tails cards that I t- that I picked up, then you will not score points on them. 
period, end of sentence. And so it's one of those it's one of those things where the game actively non-bows itself because if you if you don't have the required materials for that tails card before that tails card comes around, you may as well not take it because there's no guarantee that you will ever see those materials. Yeah, which I think is, we learned that most of the tails cards are just traps. Yeah, which which makes them bad cards to play because even though they're worth a lot of points, the amount of effort required to make them do something is and puts you at an inherent disadvantage. Uh, and the game has lots of little things here and there that do that, that you, when you take these cards, you're at an inherent disadvantage until you have something else that makes it work. The castle cards are one of those things where whenever you play a castle card, you have to flip something of that color. Typically the black one lets you flip anything, but the, the other three um, require you to flip a thing of that color. And if it's the only card you have, you have to flip it because these are have to things, not made, not uh, may if you want to things. And then there are other mechanics that don't work as well as you think they should. And the rule book's not quite 100% good at explaining it. Um, which may, may be translation issues, but things like the hunt cards. At first, we thought that hunt cards meant you could flip anybody's thing, anything that you wanted, but it doesn't. It, it only flips if they are currently actively being played. So you really have to... There were a couple of times where people got people with it, but you really have to have a sense of what your opponents are going to play. And it's very easy for a hunt card to do nothing because at once it's on the table, that it may as well not say that anymore. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's lots of little things that the game itself does that makes the draft less fun that it does in the name of making it a hyper-competitive draft system. And I feel like it's shooting itself in the foot with that. Because it... <laughs> If this is something that happens in video games a lot, if you make a game hard just for the sake of being hard, that doesn't make it a good game. Uh, and similarly, I would like to clarify that the reasons that you dislike it are actually one of the reasons I love it. I love well, the no, no. competitive draft element, but I do recognize. I mean, I recognize that it does make yeah. it more niche. But just just throw that yeah. out there. No, no, no. no that, I'm I'm not saying. Let me let me finish the thought real quick. Just because you make a game hard for the sake of being hard does not make it a good game. Now, difficult games can still be good. High strategy draft, hyper-competitive games can still be good. But there's a feel to this game that designers made it specifically to be a hyper-competitive, difficult-to-master game. That alone isn't enough to make a game good. Fortunately, there are there are aspects to this game that still make it fun and enjoyable. And for some people, the hyper competitiveness might be all they need. But one design mechanic alone or one design philosophy alone does not make a game good. And in my mind, they're leaning too heavily on the difficulty and the high strategy thinking required to play the game to their detriment. I think this game could be better if they hadn't leaned so much on that element. You know what I'm saying? Does that make more sense? I I personally believe the opposite. Yeah. But it, it makes it more niche, but it makes it better, in my opinion. 
Okay. Well, it makes it better for the niche it's for. That's that's why we niche. have multiple opinions on this show. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, uh, we'll talk about materials real quick for a second. How many cards are in this game? 110 oh. cards and a, a rule pamphlet and an appropriately sized box. Yeah. The uh, the box is correctly sized for the cards. It's not a bunch of empty wasted space. Um, the art's the art's fairly good. It's very it's a very consistent anime style art. It's a Japanese game. Made the, by very Japanese, Japanese fairy tales. Uh, yeah, it, you know it it takes all it has all these little aspects of of various fantasy trope tales. Um, knights of the Round Table, Fairy Queens, Ring of Fairies, uh, dragons and knights and demons and ghosts and 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 haunted castles and it very much plays into the flavor of a fairy tale and, and it, I, I feel like it uses that flavor very well. Um, uh, the cards are pretty good quality. They don't shuffle too terribly well, but they they're sturdy. They're nice to hold. They 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 flip and they they you know they they sort of they have that very satisfying sound when you play them down. I can't really describe it, but <laughs> this sound. I mean that you have a you have a bad mic for demonstrating it, but yeah, that's that that flip sound when you when you deal out cards. And it's because it's because they've got that like crisscross waxy feeling on them, so they're textured. So rubbing them against each other has a feel, which also yeah. is why they don't shuffle perfectly. Yeah, they don't they don't shuffle very well, but they they they're, they're very nice. Um, and the game uh, retails for twenty bucks. Uh, re- recommended retail price is twenty bucks. You can get it for five. Uh, or sorry, you can get it for seven if you if you look in the right spots. There are two versions of this game: uh, first edition and second edition. We played second edition. Um, uh, so yeah, retails at twenty. You can get it for seven. Where would you guys buy this game for? Like if you if you could choose, ideally. I mean, I'd love to buy it for the cheapest possible, but I I get twenty. It's worth it. You think you know, twenty is worth worth the price? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. 20 is uh, a fair price. I would personally probably prefer to get it at like 15, but uh, I, 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 I don't think 20 is an unfair price. Um, uh, one thing in materials that does bug me a little bit, and it's more the marketing angle. I hate when games do this, but they wrote Richard Garfield's name on this box. Is it on the box um, or is it just in the rule book? Both. On the back huh. it says contain 10 extra cards, and a special variant by Richard Garfield. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Richard Garfield's the guy who designed Magic, and his name ends up in all sorts of stuff that he's very tangentially related to, like this. And the entirety of his involvement is, at the very back of the rule book. there is a variant rule that is one single rule that applies to uh, team play. That's it. Yeah, because he happened to play this game once, and he did a thing, and the designers were like, "Oh my goodness, Richard Garfield touched this. It's now the best." I mean, it's marketing, you know. It, it's it's marketing. I just Richard Garfield's name in the card game industry is an overplayed trump card. Yeah, uh, it is definitely a very clear marketing gimmick. Uh, one that perhaps could be retired, um, but, but no, no, I, that 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 is that can be pretty irritating. Um, all right, 
Well, uh, so let's go into final thoughts and, and review scores for the game. Austin? It's definitely in, uh, more of a niche game. It's not. It's definitely not a game for everybody. Um, and you really need at least three people for it to be a, a good experience. But in the group where it's good, it's a great game. It managed to hit on a lot of drafting complexities. Um, I'm kind of stuck between a B plus and an A minus. I kind of want to give it an A minus, but I have trouble justifying it because of how niche it is. Um, it's hard for me to think of too many groups that would want to play this game. So, but I really like playing it, and it's really quick. And I think I'm just going to push for that A minus because I really enjoy this game. That's fair. Holly. Um, I really, really enjoyed this game, and I, I'm not even going to fight with it. I'm just going to give it an A. Okay. Uh, I love this game. It's one I would love to just continue to play. I def I enjoyed it like, as much as I as much as I you know caution against designing games that are hyper competitive and difficult for the sake of them being hyper competitive and difficult. I did enjoy the game. Um, it, it it definitely hits. Uh, a certain feel that I like when it comes to card games. That being said, it is a niche game. It is a game that you really, there's only one mechanic to it. It's drafting. And if you don't like drafting, you're not going to like this game. Um, and if there are specific kinds of drafting that you don't like, you're not going to like this game. And if you don't like hyper-competitive aspects of games, you're not going to like this game. There's there's a lot of ifs and buts in the game. Uh, that when you're talking to it, it's one of those things where, when, in my mind, when I think of an A game, and this, this of course only this of course is only relevant to my grading, not anybody else's. But uh, in my mind, when I think of an A game, an A game is a game that I will always recommend to everybody to play. Like things like Splendor, like why aren't you playing Splendor? Kind of thing. Like seriously, um, why why are you listening to this review and not playing Splendor? You can do exactly. them both at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Put your earbuds in or put us on a Bluetooth speaker or do something and go play Splendor. Um, but we need to play Splendor again. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Right now. Right now. No. Um, but I, I, this game has too many caveats for me to be able to do that. And that alone takes it out of the A range for me. Because it, it's one of those, yes, I recommend you play this if you like this, and if you don't mind this, and if you think in this particular way, and if within those two things that you might like, if you don't mind these things that undermine the first thing, and and if you don't, if you can deal with this, then yeah, you, it's a great game, play it. Um, so for me, it's going to be a B, a solid B. It's a game that I really enjoy. I, I would not mind playing it again, but it's just, it's got just enough in the way of caveats that I couldn't reasonably justify giving it an A. Um, so yeah, that was Fairy Tale. It's a, it's a pretty good game, especially for 20 bucks or less. You can get it for seven. Um, like, I would definitely recommend this if you're a fan of card games and you're a fan of drafting, and if the things that we have talked about aren't don't turn you off the game entirely, definitely would recommend it. Uh, it it gets at least one thumb up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, 
uh, we have been Final Show Films. We produce a wide variety of content every day of the week. You can check us out on our website at finalshowfilms.com. Yesterday's on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash fsfilms. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on the Patreon. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, especially our $25 tier supporters, Chris Comfort and Chonic, without whom we wouldn't let them do quite as much of the stuff that we do already. Um, I'd also like to thank the folks over at 411mania.com. They are a geek culture website that produces articles related to all things geeky. Wrestling, MMA, entertainment, music, gaming, including all the Final Show film stuff. So uh, go thank them by looking at their stuff. We appreciate them. We appreciate all of you. And we'll see you all next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>